This is Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, featuring distinctly qualified global changemakers dedicated to creating a healthier planet. One where our unique gifts are lived, expressed, and celebrated. I'm your host, Julian Guderlai. I'm here today with Jill Sochak. Welcome, Jill. Thanks for having me, Julian. Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation. Dropping in a bit deeper with you on... Um, all kinds of topics and education and sourcing sovereignty from our inside. And maybe we'll start with the very beginning of, of, of you. And um, I'd, I always love to hear stories from people. What's a, what's a story that you've experienced in your life? Something that like, uniquely shows people who you are about the way you, you walk your walk. Like maybe, maybe something that happened in some kind of a travel or somewhere in the world. I'd, I'd be curious how you would introduce yourself through a story. Hmm. Well, you know, when anybody asks me about a unique story, what comes to mind is this moment, I guess about 20 years ago in my early 20s and um, my now husband then boyfriend, um, we were driving in a car near Agua Azul in, in Mexico. And he lost, he was driving and he lost control of the steering and we flew off this cliff <laughs> in our vehicle and ended up flipping and dropping down and landing on the roof of the vehicle. And nobody was hurt. Nobody was hurt and in that moment, um, what was going through my mind, which was kind of on slow-mo at that point, was, are you happy? Are you doing what you love? Are you happy? Are you doing what you love? And it was just on repeat. And then, you know, we ended up walking back up this cliffside. And for the rest of the day, you know, that was all I could really hear. You know, it just, I, it was such this deep pondering. And I think that experience guided me to really listen to my heart and follow that kind of inner voice versus, you know, at that moment in my life, I had just completed a degree in education and I thought I was going to go get a, a proper job with a good pension, but um, I reconsidered that day and, and started to really follow my heart. So from that moment, I, I set off to India and you know, studied more about yoga and meditation and that listening to that inner voice, I think has been what is guiding me since that moment. And it's worked out, you know, it's always taken me to these amazing places. And yeah, I feel very grateful for that wake up call. Wow. Well, that is a quite unique story. I'm glad no one got hurt and it's, that's wild. So you know, when, when people have these moments, there are sometimes the stories about the life's flashing in front of your eyes and you see the movie clip, but I really, I really dig what, what came through there for you. Are you happy? Are you doing what you love? How, um, when we follow our heart, how does that, how does that plan out for, 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 for you with this relationship to what you said just a second ago, this this world that maybe we should be doing, like the good job with the good pension, um, you know, 
my listeners know this about me. Like I definitely stepped away from that world and just followed what's in my heart. And it, it seems to work out better and better every year, but it isn't without challenge, right? It isn't without actually this, this, this dialogue on the inside. How does that look for you? Like did you since that moment, just like switch that light switch and it never went back or. Um, I think it was definitely, that? yeah, it was a moment that really sparked something in me, like uh, a deeper trust because mm. I, I think I felt like we should have died, but that there was something more to be done and that it, you know, there was some greater force determining my direction to some degree. And I don't know, it, I don't know, it did just wake something up inside of me. And on many occasions since that day, like, you know, another feeling that I had when we were living in Mexico, this urge to, to come back to Canada, to live in Canada. And then I had bought into a yoga studio here upon arrival, but that same, that the same voice after not too many months into this business venture, I, I was just had this like, oh, this isn't totally feeding my soul, right? Like this just, there's something about it. It wasn't really bad. You know, my partner was a beautiful soul, but there was just something inside of me. And like you said, it didn't come without cost to process this, right? It was definitely a secure way to land my family here and provide for my children. But I couldn't deny this kind of inner voice calling me to do something else. And it was really uncomfortable. It was really awkward to say that to my business partner that I wanted out. And it was very difficult to face the, or maybe what I perceived to be, was going to be the scrutiny of that yoga community. And why was this breaking apart? And what was my motive? And just to believe in the truth of this voice. And so it was very, very difficult to make that decision and get out. And there were many uncomfortable steps along the way. But again, I can tell you however many years later that I'm just so happy to, that I listened to that voice because it's allowed me to continue to feel, fulfill a deeper mission, I think. Hmm. Yeah, this is, one of my, this is one of my favorite topics when it goes to around like following the heart's voice is to understand discomfort as a, a challenge, uh, but not just a challenge, also an opportunity, right? And it's, there's something very uh, appealing in the, the security of the pension in a well-paying job that is, it's a total illusion. I mean, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen 20, 30, 40 years into the future. And so our hearts crave something different. Um, where did that guide you then? I know you spend a lot of your time in Mexico. You, you're on uh, Vancouver Island, just like I am right now. Um, and maybe, maybe guide us a, a step deeper into how that quality of the heart is just like a clear compass at this point, you know, you just mentioned it's, it's a wake up call. It was a wake up call in that moment, but then how does one cultivate it into, or how did you cultivate it into that compass that it is now? Mm, I love that question. Yeah. I think, you know, the answer to that is a connection with my body because I think the body is always kind of feeding us these internal messages, right. That, you know, when we might call it discomfort, um, it's also a physical sensation. So I think 
through my yoga practice, you know, being on the mat and forming a connection to my body and the breath, I'm able to, in whatever situation now, more so, not flawlessly, but pretty consistently, I think, tune into what the body is telling me. And I wouldn't confuse that with, you know, interpreting that to say that we're chasing positive sensations or chasing pleasant feelings. But I think in whatever scenario, like if I take us back to the yoga studio owning moment, I just had this lack of energy in the body when I would enter the building or, you know, I would feel this kind of sinking or heaviness or, or this necessity to use my energy to bring myself up. It wasn't this inherent kind of ease or alignment that say I would feel when I went outside or when I was serving somebody in a more um, intimate or authentic um, forum, you know, so I would say the body's informing me, right, when, when it feels like I'm sitting in, in, in alignment or in joy, and then I have to preface that or, you know, counter that with sometimes the alignment moment is also in discomfort, though, so I don't know how to bring that in, but, you know, I can, I can feel in alignment and allow myself to feel sad or in alignment and allow myself to feel anger or in alignment and allow myself to feel scared. But yeah, so I guess the the question, the answer to that question is what guides me. It's a feeling in the body that it's sitting right, you know, that it's 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 grounding me. It's it's feel making me feel fuller connected to myself. Right on. I have a follow-up question. Now that now that you, you you explained that really beautifully in that process in you, what is what is required for you, Jill, to experience trust with another person? Um, hmm. What can you say it again? What what is required for you to experience trust? What is that? process like because i feel trust maybe to give you a bit of a context here trust is a a very broad um connection like it's there's so many layers to it right and um i'm a big fan of of that the work around trust that brené brown put in and you know her famous ted talk around it and so I've, I've been asking literally hundreds of people about the experience of trust to understand that process better and how that um develops in us so, yeah, it's a very interesting question and word and concept. And I do know who Brene Brown is, of course, but I don't know her work intimately. But the word that comes to mind when you say her name is vulnerability. And I think when you say the word trust, there's something to that, like that somebody is being real or vulnerable or open, honest. Um, so I think all those things help me to trust People. And I would have to say that, again, this intuitive sense inside my body when I'm with somebody that that how my body responds to them is is a good, clear sign, like if they are being open or honest. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think I feel like I can trust somebody when they're honest and open and vulnerable and real. Beautiful. Um, 
Well, I'll, I'll jump through a few questions then. And so uh, we, we already, you know, dove in quite deep from, from the start here into sourcing intelligence from our own body's wisdom and also our own intuitive understanding. And, you know, these concepts, I, I guess they were formerly very esoteric. They're becoming um, quite commonplace because we're all experiencing it, right? Our body talks to us and uh, stillness and silence and meditation and breath work and all of these modalities, they help creating the space to receive the message from our intuition. Um, maybe with that as a preface, what if you were to change the education system, the way that children are taught in this world, at large, you know, we, there's no limit to this, to this answer. Um, what would you change and, and, and how would you change it? Mm, great question. I'm, yeah, education is a huge um, topic has been in my life. Both my parents uh, were teachers, educators. I have my degree in education and both my kids are in school. And obviously I went through, um, you know, the classic K to 12 and post um, secondary experience. And I think education is very important, you know, in some sense that can fly out of my mouth easy because I see the benefit of, yeah, in some of these institutions, open dialogue or inquiry. But on the other hand, I think our current education model is limiting us in so many ways. And I think there's so much opportunity for um, improvement. And I think we're having a hard time, you know, as you say, this kind of shift of consciousness where we're just being able to, I think, process or um, perceive so much more that the education system is having a hard time to keep up with our evolution. But I would like to see um, a shift in the direction where kids get to explore their own passions, their own joys, their own inherent curiosities. And um, I think that is starting to happen. I do think that is starting to happen, but I think we can trust that, that when people um, can access their own curiosity and be guided and provided tools to do that, that they thrive versus, you know, trying to kind of slot every child into every inquiry, you know, if we don't have interest or, you know, the desire to learn about something, I think it's very difficult to teach. So yeah, I would say the shift would come from more that, yeah, self-driven, guided, supported model. Right on, yeah, which comes back around to following our own heart's pursuit, right? There, there's, there's this whole narrative, and it, it, we've picked it up often in, in Green Planet, Blue Planet interviews, this understanding that our, there, there is no cookie-cutter solution for the way we live. There, there really isn't. And once you're on this path and this trail where you follow your own inner guidance, it never stops. It never stops. And you know, I, I fully and full, with my full heart believe that this is a big part of what we're here to do on earth as humans is to follow that curiosity and to develop from this curiosity. And I can only imagine how that would be if, um, if we were taught from a very young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that the kids, you know, they're ready for more. They're they're past the, the information that they get mm. in school. They're they're past it, you know, long before they graduate. So mm. 
I think they're just waiting for us to give them more permission to to play with their intelligence. You know, I think for the most part, we're we're holding them back by you know very early grades. Yeah, maybe let them fly a little bit bigger, bolder. I think. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I surely would have liked that um, back when I went to school. Uh, <laughs> I remember many many conversations at the lunch table with my parents and my sister about all of the flying bigger ideas that I, I had at that age, um, which ultimately took me around the world a few times. And so that's my, that's my next question for you is, I know you're a traveler. I know you know Mexico extremely well, or Mexico as you call it endearingly, which you know I, I, I dig, I, I dig the, the real name of places. Um, what are some of the favorite places in the world? Maybe if you had to pick three, Jill, just for the sake of this question, what are some of your favorite spots on planet Earth? Oof. <laughs> I know it's hard to name them down to three. Really hard. Well, if I'm going to go just broad and then maybe I can hone in on all of them, but I would say, okay, Mexico, I'll dial in. There's definitely, if I had to pick one place in Mexico, it would either be Tolentongo or the pyramids in Tulum mm. or the pyramids in Palenque. And, and then my mind goes to India and I have a special place in my heart in Pushkar and Rajasthan in India because we spent a long time studying with a beautiful Swami, Swamiji um, around this just serene lake in this tiny town. And I also have a really special place in my heart for Kotao in Thailand because it was a time I... Is very happily on my own and um, just on this tiny little beautiful island doing my inner work very quietly, you know, without a lot of disturbances. Three places in Mexico and then the <laughs> Thailand, India. What, what about, what about the, the pyramids, um, especially in, in Tulum that I, that I know as well, or Palenque? Or what about the pyramids? Is that connects you so deeply um, maybe maybe we can drop in on, on that a bit i i love the topic of pyramids anywhere in the world mm -hmm. yeah just so profound right i mean i was visiting these places in my early 20s and mm. my heart and my mind i think were just so wide open and it was you know briefly well just during right around that time of you know, that initial story when we flew off the cliff that all these kind of magical things seem to be happening. And um, we would go, Danny and I would go to the pyramids, the, the sites, the ruins, and just sit, you know, we would just sit and meditate and be there, you know, watch tourists come and go and, um, I, I don't know what we were tapping into, to tell you the truth. I just felt like connected to a deeper source of information that allowed me to be less attached to <laughs> this limiting story of what we were talking about, you know, pensions or nine to five or these limitations, you know, like that there was 
this higher, bigger energy and somehow the ruins or the pyramids were intimately tied into and sourcing that information for anybody who really spent time there. Beautiful. Yeah, there, there are these, these power vortices on the planet that, that do exactly that to, to me as well. And I, I feel like basically anywhere where, there, where pyramids build, <laughs> um, someone else already tapped into that phenomena, right? Where <laughs> mm, not to discriminate against nine to five jobs or, or pension, <laughs> pension funds, but there's something deeper that we connect with intuitively in these spots that if I were to explain it in my own words, it, it's like, it, it like connects to that heart voice that we already have. That's already there. It's on the same frequency. And on that, in that frequency, most, as you just said, most other things just stuff to matter actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'd like to say add to that too, because yeah, it's not a criticism of people mm -hmm. who have chosen nine to five or who get to enjoy their pensions, you know, mm -hmm. in many ways, those people or that work, that time, that era, I believe has provided me with the privilege to travel and be at these sites and visit these sites. So I think that work, you know, that hard industrialized kind of work had its moment in time to provide us with this, this moment in time where we're there's these places of the past, there's these remnants of these ancient worlds or teachings or, or you know, vortexes or, or, you know, this wisdom, these wisdom sacred sites. And, you know, whatever that moment in time where we moved away from that kind of rich living or those advanced civilizations or whatever you would wanna call them, has brought us to exactly where we need to be. But I think, you know, there are these certain, I don't know if I want to call myself privileged. I know a lot of people might look at me and think that, and I definitely feel very blessed, but I don't think there are any accidents, you know, that there are people going to these sites still today and remembering whatever it is, this connection to deeper source, maybe just in this perfect moment, post industrial time or post um, pension plans where we where we tap into and source this other necessary energy it's not to judge you know this other time or era I just think we are we're always shifting and moving you know we don't have to judge anything of the past or say anything is good or bad but just to yeah drop into what makes us feel in alignment or joy or bliss I think that's always a good indicator and I think everybody wants more of that you know and I think there is an abundance of that and we're all moving towards that in, in some timeline or another I, I like that that we're we're all in one way or other looking for you know quotation marks here air, air quotes uh, more alignment right and, and alignment with um i think the the laws of life that's how i interpret that is is the the principles that are present on this planet, the beyond just gravity and uh, um, maybe the oxygen and carbon exchange, but the principles of life that are enabling this abundance to be experienced um, and very much the, the indigenous wisdom that is totally sourced around those ancient pyramids from Mexico to Egypt and everywhere else in between. And uh, it's profound. 
And maybe I can ask you a, another question on that in that context. So if we're all looking for more alignment in that sense, or feeling good or happiness, what, like what is happiness to you? Like what's the definition that, that you go by in your own, in your mind around happiness? Hmm. Yeah, happiness for me is, is that feeling of alignment. You know, I might, if I were to paint a picture, it would be, you know, as simple as my kids just hanging out around me when they're in their own happy frequency, you know, if they're in a, in alignment where they need to be and they seem grounded and full and, and fulfilled um, to happiness being also, yeah, being out in nature connected to the natural cycles where it feels, you know, easy to go to sleep, easy to wake up, um, happy to eat, happy to digest, you know, happy to eliminate, happy to rest, happy to play, you know, when things are moving fluidly. Again, are these interchangeable? I'm not sure. Happiness, alignment, following our heart. <laughs> Sounds like we keep going around to the same the same thing yeah i mean they're they're buzzwords in a podcast episodes but they're really also very felt experiences in our body right and, and that's where we started in this conversation is and that's you know in in, in my work with with people one-on-one -on -one, that shows up a, a ton and you know in, in my own growth and learning over the last 20 years or with my coaches and mentors that shows up is is to really learn to read our own signs of what alignment feels like and looks like and tastes like and then yeah like a surfing metaphor like surfing that wave for as long as the wave is actually breaking and happening and understanding the rhythms of nature as well like it is obviously not all only um uh, rose-colored glasses right because contrast is a very natural and normal part of reality mm -hmm. and so only if we can embrace contrast and only if when we can embrace um, maybe even the worst case of a situation, right? And embracing fully how how it makes us feel, then we're totally free to create our own journey with it, rather than being a victim in between what we're hoping for and wishing for, or, or what reality presents us with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to um, just preface that, or like add to that, you know, that question: What is happiness? Because as I hear you reflect that back to me, I think it comes down to more clearly like being present, you know, being present. Because even if I envision that moment with my children, even if they were in a not a great space, let's say, if I can be present, I think I'm still feeling that happiness. You know, if I can be really be involved with present to what's going on, that that, that might be a clear definition towards, you know, what what feels happy yeah Pre present mm -hmm. i'm gonna let that one sink in i have another question for you jill and that one is maybe um maybe on depending on how you take it more materially focused so if there were certain things that you didn't want to miss in your life let's say again three things that you wouldn't want to live without um what would they be Physical things? Yeah. Hmm. Um, the first thing that comes to mind actually is this computer that I'm looking at because it's such a lifeline right now. Yeah. 
um, you know, to the way we interact and my own livelihood right now is very much online. Um, and I, I have so many friends from so many places, you know, it helps me stay connected to so many people. And then the second thing that comes to mind is good food. Can I just like have a blanket good food category? Good food category. I hear you. Um, well, do you grow your own food? I do have a garden. Yeah, I've been mm. learning very slowly and organically. So it keeps growing. Mm. So I don't know if I could take my whole garden with me, but <laughs> access to good food, you know? Got it, yeah. Um, and another material thing. <laughs> Can I take like all my family and friends? Or if I have to pick <laughs> just one single thing, maybe my dog, so I don't hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> you'll, you'll leave all the humans and just take the dog. <laughs> what, uh, what, what, what dog is it? Is it a... a um... She's a Cocker Spaniel. Her Aww. name is Coco. And yeah, I say that because, you know, I think our pets are our animals. Mm -hmm. they, they really help us to be present. They really help us, I think, to be here now. And it's just so simple with them, right? Mm -hmm. Coco the Cocker Spaniel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good food and your laptop. <laughs> um, on a different note. Uh, this is my this is my my key question on this podcast and has has been from the beginning, and the question is what's the dream the the quality of the dream that's that's inside of you in your heart and you know the journey of the heart that we spoke about that is the the dream for the next seven generations like your vision if you want to call it that for planet Earth our green and blue planet and the next seven generations. Mm, great question. My vision is that we learn, we all learn to see each other as each other, as one, and we work together. And I, I believe that there is a possibility of all of us working towards that, sharing our gifts and talents and our passions and building a world yeah, of cooperation, compassion, love, where everybody is valued and everybody has their place. And we have learned respect for earth and each other and our guiding force being love and, you know, living from abundance and yeah, care, care and compassion for one another and our earth. I'm thinking what's what's the individual contribution to someone who's listening to this podcast right now that, that we could make in in regards to compassion that that you just mentioned there mm, I think you know the first step if if you're at the beginning of a journey in that direction I think is to um, find it for yourself you know to really do your own work on loving yourself because I think it, you know, until we really accept ourselves and understand ourselves and um, forgive ourselves and love ourselves, I think, you know, it's through that that we start to begin to be able to do that for others. Start with yourself, 
Yep, that sounds familiar. Sounds like the only <laughs> way to really, to really connect. Beautiful, Jill. Um, maybe one last question for you. And what do you think it will take for humanity to learn from its its past mistakes and to actually apply that compassion and then that learning in a way that you know we don't we don't destroy this beautiful planet that we live on. Mm -hmm. What will it take? Yeah, I mean, Danny and I were just talking about this um, in terms of. I think there might be kind of these cycles, even with that, right? This destruction creation, you know, we were talking about it in, in terms of the Kali Yuga and, you know, yogic philosophy of, you know, from the golden age and then the fall and how kind of all, you know, stories of civilization seem to have these kind of like moments in history where, yeah, it seems so advanced and beautiful and then, turns demonic and collapses you know <laughs> and i don't know is this a pendulum that swings right from fear to love to fear to love and back again are we just in one of those cycles of forgetting before we remember what's important and who we are and why we're here i think yeah maybe maybe what what will it take i do think you know we usually wake up to what's important when things really fall apart. You know, I think even in these, as a quick example from this recent time, you know, in BC with these floods, you start to see people really um, finding their humanity. You know, we're no longer so scared of each other in that moment of need and we just do the right thing. So, you know, maybe we've just been a little bit too comfortable for too long and just kind of gliding along. And maybe as things get a little bit tough now out there in the world with everything that's going on, you know, we start to see each other and, and um, connect with each other in new, in new ways. There's an opportunity in every threat, right? There's an opportunity in that kind of, um, yeah, as you said, like even natural, uh, catastrophes or natural occurrences is, is to to wake up and realize like you said at the very beginning of this this interview in this episode uh are you truly happy are you doing what you love yeah and i think yeah. our heart guides us you know i think we're all we're all able to tune into that i don't think that's a special power or anything i think we all feel that we know when we're when we're doing the right thing Maybe this comes really late in this episode, but what would you say to someone who is not in full resonance with where you and I are resonating today and who's like, well, that's all good and fine, but I got all these plans in my mind and I have all these achievements I have to keep going for. Like, um, Do you see there's a place for both or do you see that that's actually kind of a trap that we're addicted to, um, that like chasing up the mind? Well, but both, I mean, I think there is a place for this conversation, this topic, this, you know, our perspective. And I think it's really valid when people aren't in that place or don't see it that way. You know, I do think it, it's, it is a little bit of that pendulum or cycling or, you know, all these different expressions. I think, you know, we're all one, but our energy or frequency or truth or lived experience is very unique I think you know and if we can accept ourselves 
for who we are really say like, yeah, I like who I am. I love who I am. This is what I want. This is, this is where I vibrate. Um, you know, I, I think if we all accept each other in that, it, that is our world, you know, that is, that is peace. That would be harmonious, even if everybody was on a different frequency, you know, as long as we're not interfering with each other's frequencies too much, you know, maybe at times they cross over, but, and, you know, create some static, but I think overall, you know, if we just stay in our, in the frequency that we're meant to vibrate and let everybody else do the same, you know, whatever this bigger picture energy manifestation physical world is, you know, I think whatever creator is, whatever created it, you know, that's something bigger than we can understand and is beyond our control. Leave that uncommented. I, I, I like where you went there. Well, thank you so much for the time that you made for this uh, for this interview. Is there anything else you'd love to add? Any um, any shout out where people can find you, can find your work, uh, connect with you? Um, well, just thank you for having me. What a nice conversation. And yeah, I really do hope if anybody's listening that they are taking steps um, towards finding out who they are and just doing their part and living in alignment with their own joy. If anybody needs help, I do, you know, teach classes and courses and that kind of work, developing mindfulness practices. People can find me at yogajill.com with one L. Um, and yeah, if anybody needs guidance in that direction, that is my passion to help people, you know, live their best life in alignment with their truth. We'll make sure to link that, link that out as well. Thank you so much, Jill, for being on Green Planet, Blue Planet. Thank you, Julian. Have a great day.